Hello, everyone, wherever you are around the world. It's great to be with you today. I'm standing here at Gold Coast Central Church here on the Gold Coast with an empty auditorium. But I know that this message is going to people in your homes, in places here in Australia, in America, the UK, and who knows. It's such a great um, opportunity we have these days through the miracle of the Internet to send messages right around the world. It's an important message today because we live in a very uncertain times. The reason the church is empty is because we're in the middle of an epidemic. We're in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic. And um, here in Australia, we feel like we're coming through it. Uh, we haven't um, suffered as bad as many countries. We've gotten a hold on it, and we're even starting to unroll uh, being able to do things again. And um, on July the 10th, uh, we can meet up to 100 people, but it's still a challenge for us as a church because we, we get up to 300 people. So I want to encourage you to keep coming together on Saturdays and worshiping, but do it in your homes. You know, let's start having watch parties. Get together in groups, and um, we can continue to do church in this way as long as we have to because it's important to be gathering together, studying God's Word, praying together, encouraging each other, and then going out and spreading the gospel. Our, our vision as a church is to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. And I can't do that on my own. Um, Pastor Lockie can't do that. We can only do that as every one of us are reaching the people that God brings to us daily and sharing the hope in this world you know, we've, at the moment, the last week, there's been riots breaking out around the world. It's such uncertain times. And Jesus loves everybody. doesn't matter what color skin you, you are, what country you're from. God loves you. And He wants to spend eternity with you. And that's really the key of why we exist as a church. Uh, we've adopted a model in this church, and it's not original to us. But when I was back in Alabama and I visited a church in Birmingham, uh, just a, about a year ago, I saw um, this in, in action, and I saw it working, and it's very biblical. And it's a four-step process to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and make a difference. And so that's our, the way we're uh, reaching our vision, our mission, our model that we're using. And so I want to encourage you all to be getting to know God. This is not something you do, and then you, you've done it. It's a lifetime process of knowing God. And it's a lifetime process of finding freedom. Because we live in a world of sin. We all have our own sinful nature, the things that we struggle with. And God wants to help us. God wants us to work through those. He wants us to get beyond that. And the message today hopefully will help you to see that. And then really discover that God's got a purpose for your life. We're not just here by chance. Every one of you, I don't care what, how you came into this world, God has a purpose for your life. And so we want you all to find a way that you can make a difference. And we as a church want to help uh, empower you to do that. We're starting a new series, and the series is called Legacy. And we're looking at the legacy of some of the early uh, apostles and the early church. And I have the privilege today of sharing with you one of my favorite characters. And he was a disciple. And he became uh, a great apostle of the early church. And his name we know as Peter. But his original name was Simon. 
and early um, in, in his journey with Jesus, because Jesus called his disciples. He said, follow me. And one of the people that responded to that was a fisherman named Simon. And early in that spill, Jesus called him Peter. And so he's known as Simon Peter because Peter means the rock. And as we, we see that Jesus knew, because God knows what's going to happen before it happens. You know, one of my favorite sayings at this uncertain time we're living in is that we didn't see 2020 coming with this coronavirus and lockdowns and everything being shut down around the world. But God did. God doesn't wake up, not that he sleeps, and, and say, I didn't see that coming. God knows. And Jesus knew what was going to happen with Peter. But, you know, he also had to love Peter and, and, and help guide him through his difficulty. And probably the key word that I want you to remember as we go through the story, some stories of Peter's life is that what Peter had was resiliency. You know, we often use words to describe Peter, and one of the reasons I relate to him, he was quick to anger. He was quick to react. And, you know, that's very much my personality. Throughout my life, I've gotten myself in all sorts of crisis and trouble because I've been quick to anger. I've, I've, I've um, responded without thinking. And I've hurt people I love. I've done things that I regret. But I want to be like Peter. I want to know that we serve a God that loves us and wants us to deal with those issues. He wants us to find freedom from our anger. He wants us to find freedom from our bad choices. And so as we look at Simon Peter and the legacy he leaves, it hopefully will help you to grow your faith. And whether you have a little bit of faith or you have a big faith, God wants to grow it. And that is grown. Just like we grow physically by eating food, we grow spiritually by the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to not be just coming to church or watching church, I guess I should say, uh, uh, or watching, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're watching Gold Coast Central or you're watching something on 3ABN or Hope Channel or whatever it might be, but you need to be personally be getting into God's Word. And you might be new to the Bible. You know, uh, I grew up with the Bible. I had these little Bible story books. You know, I've heard these stories since I was very young. And it doesn't matter how well you know the Bible, but it's there. And I want to encourage you to go to it. And if you're new to the Bible, you know, a, a great place to start is the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because this is Jesus. This is when Jesus came as was promised way back when sin first came. And Jesus came. And while he was on this earth, these words that the disciples wrote down in, the, in these Gospels are very powerful. And if you're fortunate enough to have a Bible like I've got here, all these words of Jesus are read. And those are powerful words, these words in red. And we just want to look at what we can learn from Simon Peter. What legacy has he left that can help us in our journey? In life. Well, as I look at the life of Simon Peter, I see that the one story that has been I related most to all my life since I was very young was the story that we find in um, 
the Bible in Matthew. And I'm just going to turn, I think it's Matthew 14. Here we find a story. And this story takes place after Jesus does one of the greatest miracles he's known for in the Bible is that he's out teaching people and the crowds gathered around and, and, and they just were listening to him for hours and no one had meals, but they, you know, they were all hungry. And little, one little boy came with a lunch and Jesus worked this amazing miracle and fed over 5,000 people with one little boy's lunch. You know? And this has just happened. And at the end of that day here, we find the next story in John 14 starts in verse 22. And it says, immediately after that, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there alone. Now, I want to just point out, you know, Jesus relied on his heavenly Father through the power of the Spirit of God to allow him to live the sinless life. And Jesus, of course, did it perfect. But how much more we as sinners need to be turning to God daily, not only feeding on His Word, but praying, pouring out our hearts and talking to God. Because He listens, and He cares, and He wants to be involved. But we need to communicate two ways. God speaks to us through His Word, but we got to pray. we got to actually talk to God. Prayer is such a powerful thing. And so Jesus went to pray. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were uh, fighting the waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. Whoa, what an exciting story. Jesus, well, how do you walk on water? And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified because they thought it was a ghost, you know, They'd never seen anyone walk on water. And it says in verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And so they recognized who it was. And Jesus called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come with you. Let me walk on the water, it says. And Jesus said in verse 29, Yes, come. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And this is important in verse 31. Jesus immediately, when he called out, save me, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He says, you have so little faith. And Jesus says, why did you doubt me? And he climbed back into the boat, and the wind stopped. And the disciples worshipped him, and they said, you really are the Son of God. You know, this is when they really recognized the real person who Jesus is, the Son of God. And we find over in chapter 16... Um, this recognition where really shows that Peter's, why he's called the rock. And I just want to go over there before I'm going to go back to this story, but here it says in chapter 16, um, 
Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And this is where Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human beings. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon the rock I will build the church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You see, the church is not built on Peter. It's built on what Peter recognized, that Jesus and who he is, the Messiah, the Son of God who came. And so going back to our story about walking on the water, you know, I just want to share with you a personal journey of mine. I think all my life I've been trying to walk on water. I spent my whole life trying to do it, you know, and I was able at quite a young age to do the closest thing, and I got two water skis, and I got behind a boat, and I was able to ski, and it was kind of, you know, walking on water, I thought. Well, eventually I, I got better on two skis, and I skied on one ski. But when I was very young, I was, uh, my mom worked at summer camp, and I was able to spend all summer there, and I saw some of the staff at summer camp actually skiing on their bare feet. And they had a rope, and they're behind the boat skiing with no skis. And boy, that's pretty close to walking on water. And I was really dreaming about doing that. And my first experience of trying to walk on water with bare feet, and I was behind a boat, and this is uh, not a, a, a technical ski boat. Uh, and this is before they had the ski booms where you can learn. I had no wetsuit. I'm just there I'm in my bathers behind a boat, and I got on one ski. Because the important thing when you're barefoot, you got to be going very fast, otherwise you sink. And, um, you know, I, I, this only way I could walk on water like Peter is by going very fast. And back then, I had, think I had to go about 36 um, miles an hour. Um, now, the heavier you are, the faster you got to go. i got to go probably at least 40 miles an hour, which is about 60 kilometers an hour. And so I, I get up, with your, you, you get up on the water ski with one ski, and you keep your feet on the outside of the boots. And so once you're up skiing and you wait till the boat gets going fast enough, you take one foot and you dig the hill in and you step out. And then you shift the weight. And because you're going so fast, that ski flies behind you and you put the hill down and there you are barefoot. And that's the theory of how it works. Well, the first time I tried it, I, for some reason, was sitting down way too low. And I had nothing but my bathers on. We're going 60 kilometers an hour and I had water places you don't want water to go, very high pressure. And um, I spent the whole evening that evening going back and forth to the men's room. Not a very nice experience. Well, after doing that, I had an opportunity days later to try again, and I was determined I need to stand up straighter. And so again, I tried it. I stepped out. And I'll never forget the first time I did it. And I'm standing there, and I'm actually doing the closest thing I'd ever done to walking on water. I'm on bare feet, and, and I'm going, and, and I'm doing it. And I got so excited that I, and when you're going that fast and you're just in your bare feet, all it takes is just a little bit of water goes over your toe, and the next thing you know, you're doing somersaults in the water. But I was so excited because I had walked on water. And I continued to get better at this, and you know, eventually I was able to do it without any ski. And what you do is you wear, they have a special wetsuit. And it has extra padding in the back and on the bum so you don't end up with that um, washout like I had. And the way you do this is you lay down in the water and you put your feet over the boat and you say, hit it. 
and the boat takes off and you just got to blow out your nose because the water starts, you're kind of being pulled under the water. Eventually you come up and your, your feet's keeping you up and you're skiing on your backside and you sit up. But you still got to stay there because the boat's got to get up to speed. But once the boat's up to speed and you feel like you're going fast enough, you drop your heels down and I'm not going fast, so I'm not moving. But what will happen is you'll just lift up and there you are skiing on your bare feet. It's a pretty exciting thing. And eventually I got so good at it, I could be back there and I'd lift one foot up and then I'd, well, I can't even stand here and do it. Yeah, then you lift the other foot up and that's the closest I ever came to walking on water. You know, you could go down to your back, spin around and come back. And it's amazing what you can do. But you know, I wasn't really walking on water, was I? I was relying on a boat going very fast. It was nothing like this experience that Peter had. And I wonder, how did, what did it feel like? You know, did, did Peter feel that water on his, on, on his feet? Did he float above the water? I still want to walk on water. But you know, my days of barefoot water skiing are over. Uh, last year I had to have a hip replacement. Be unwise to probably water ski at all because um, I certainly wouldn't want to damage what had happened with this hip replacement. But I still want to walk on water. And the only way I'm going to do it is the way Peter did it. And that's by looking to Jesus every day. And one day, Jesus has promised, He's coming back. He's coming back and He's going to take me to heaven. And in heaven, I'm going to be able to walk on water and so are you. You know, it's an exciting story. But we so often, like Peter, you know, we take our eyes off Jesus and we look at this world. This world looks attractive, but all it is is a storm. All these are problems. When we do it our way and not God's way, it causes issues and problems. And we need God wants to set us free from that. And as a church, we want us to get together. We want to encourage each other. We want to have support groups. We want to have life groups that where people doing life together and praying for each other and helping us work through the issues that we face in this world. Our sinful natures, our addictions, these things are dragging us down. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will be able to continue. And even when we do take our eyes and we're sinking, just like in the story of Peter, Jesus is there. He's going to help us back into the boat. You know, I love this story because it's so adventurous. I've always been a person that loves adventure. You know, I grew up in, throughout my younger life being very acrobatic, being on gymnastics and acro sport teams and, and doing all sorts of somersaults and, and pyramids and, and hand balancing. And, um, you know, I, I just love adventure. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that I probably now uh, in my age won't do. You know, I've always wanted to jump out of a plane and skydive. I've wanted to bungee jump. I've never done those things. But, you know, I'm not worried. Because whatever I'm not able to do, there's going to be something 100,000 times better in God's kingdom. So I don't let it get me down. But, you know, I, I have since... Um, getting our hip replacement, I thought, I can't water ski anymore. And what do I do? Well, I bought a jet ski. Some other guys here in the church had jet skis, and there's a lot of waterways, lovely places. And, and I've had a bit of fun. I've had a couple of them and really enjoyed getting out with the guys. We got our, 
uh, wave runner or jet ski life group, and we go out and explore these waterways. And out there, you know, you, you see the really the playground of the rich and famous as you go out here on the Gold Coast, and you see all the beautiful homes on the waterways and their big yachts, you know, and the boats out there that many of them cost more than my house. You know, they got two or three jet skis on the back, and, and you see, wow, you know, there's this world's got a lot to offer, but I want to encourage you, don't get caught up. Nothing wrong with having money or jet skis or boats, but if that becomes more important than God, then there's a problem. And, and Jesus actually teaches more about the, 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 and warns about the danger of money and wealth more than any subject. It's such a trap that somehow we think by working hard or gaining uh, wealth, that that's going to somehow give us some satisfaction. But you know something? The legacy, the legacy we want to leave behind is like a legacy that Peter left. And a legacy of wealth won't do that. A legacy that shows that, hey, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. And God wants to transform you and restore you. That's the legacy it's the most important thing we leave. Far more important than any legacy of wealth. Well, another story I want to share with Peter's life. And this happened right towards the end after he'd spent the three and a half years with Jesus, following him and seeing him do these amazing things and and he loved Jesus and the disciples. They all, they didn't understand really what all was going to happen and, and that Jesus actually had to die. But, you know, they were all still committed, but, but, but confused. And we, we find this a lot, at, you know, like the Last Supper. You know, the disciples still were kind of caught up in wanting to be who's more important. You know, who's going to sit next to Jesus? Who's going to be next to him in the kingdom that he's going to build? You know, they're thinking even a kingdom on this earth. You know, Peter was guilty of that. All the disciples were a bit this way, jockeying for position. And Peter, Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Peter responded to that. What? Jesus, I love you. I would never deny you. Oh, Jesus, you're wonderful. In a very short time after that, when it all came loose, when Jesus was turned over to the guards and he was being carried away and they were wanting to crucify and wanting to kill him, Peter then's frightened for his life, not knowing. And even a child, the Bible says, comes to him and says, Hey, you're one of his followers. I recognize you. Peter says, oh, no, 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 you're mistaken. It's not me. The second time, someone comes to him and says, no, no, you're one of Jesus' followers. No, 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 Peter denied he even knew Jesus. And then the third time when he did this, just as Jesus had said, Peter heard a rooster crow. Oh, have you ever reached the bottom, felt so broken that you didn't know what to do. I mean, so broken that you might even be 
considering taking your own life? I mean, that's the sort of brokenness that Peter felt. But Peter was resilient. You know, unlike the other disciple who betrayed Jesus was Judas. And Judas, unfortunately, wasn't resilient. And he felt so bad after he denied Jesus and and sold him for 30 pieces of silver that he went and took his own life. But let's not be a Judas Let's be a Peter. And even when we make mistakes, even if we deny Jesus, if we said, oh, God's not real. Hey, I challenge you to read God's Word, to look at history, to actually see the facts. And I think you'll have to come to the same conclusion that I've come to, that there has to be a God. And that God wouldn't leave us in this world without a guidebook. And this Bible is our guidebook. This is telling us where we've come from, what we're doing, and where we're going. This is what the story of Peter is really about. Well, after Jesus died and rose again, he was on this earth for some 30, 40 days, I believe it is. And many, many hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus. But one of the first times the disciples saw him, see, Peter, after he had done this and Jesus then died on the cross, you know, he must have just felt so broken. Like I said, you know, he could have done anything. But what he did was doing what he knew to do. He went back to fishing. And he told his mates, some of the other disciples, I'm going fishing. You know, I, I, I'm feeling so horrible. I, I don't even feel like I could, you know, living. this. I feel so bad. But he says, I'm just going to fish. Go catch some fish. And so some of his disciples went with him. And they fished all night long. And the Bible tells us that... The morning came and they hadn't caught a single fish. Now, that must have been pretty depressing. And as they were coming close to shore, they saw someone on the shore. They had a fire going, like cooking breakfast that morning. And, and um, after they looked, they recognized it's Jesus. It's a resurrected Jesus. This is actually after he died, resurrected and, and, and Jesus calls out to him and he says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. You know, Jesus knew that they were feeling at their rock bottom, that they had caught nothing. You know, nothing like, nothing's like the feeling of, 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 of spending your whole life doing something and, and then just having nothing. But Jesus will restore you. He'll give you value. He's got a plan for your life. And they threw their net on the other side and the Bible says it was so full of fish they couldn't even pull it up into the boat. And Peter got so excited. I think he thought he could walk on water. The Bible doesn't say this. But it says he put his cloak, his his shirt on, he had had it off when they're out fishing, coat, whatever it was, and he jumped out of the boat. And I kind of think maybe he thought he could walk on water. He was again looking at Jesus. But... um, Jesus didn't perform the miracle of allowing him to walk on water, but he didn't care. He was swimming. And the Bible says they were about 100 meters from shore, and he swam, and the boat got there as quick as he could swim. And then Peter's being very, very busy. Because Peter's, it's awkward. It's awkward. It's awkward for Peter because Peter knows how all this took place and how he had denied his friend, his Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 
and he felt guilty. So what do we do when we feel guilty? We get busy. And he was busy bringing in the fish, trying to avoid the elephant in the room. And of course, Jesus calls him over. And Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you, Lord. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And he says it a second time. And he says it a third time. You see, Jesus, by doing that, actually accepts Peter of being a child of God, a special person, and that Jesus wanted to use him and, you know, Peter became one of the great apostles. On Acts 2, after Jesus went back to heaven, Peter was instrumental in bringing thousands into salvation. Well, I hope that whoever's listening to this, wherever you are, you might be broken or maybe you've been broken or, or maybe you're heading that direction but I want to encourage you don't let the waves of this life and the storms let you sink turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will begin to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace you know I still want to walk on water I'm never going to do it on this earth. But I'm going to do it in the kingdom. And I'm going to do it because of Jesus Christ. And because I've accepted Him and invited Him into my heart. And He's washed me clean. And yeah, I've got a long ways to go. But daily, I want to feed on His Word. I want Him to, His power of His Holy Spirit to come into my life and change me. I want to spread the good news that Jesus is coming. We're living in such uncertain times with the COVID virus, um, with um, the riots that are happening. You know, the world is pretty messed up. And these are all signs that Jesus tells us as you read those Gospels that He's going to prepare a place for you. In John 14, it says, He says to His disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I'm coming back to take you there. This is a special place. And the reason I'm doing I want to be with you. And there in 14 verse 6, Jesus tells you the key. The key I want to leave you with today. And that is, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way but through Jesus. We can never earn our way to heaven. We can never be good enough. All we can do is surrender, let go, let control, turn to Jesus, and we can walk on water. I want to challenge whoever's listening to me today. Do you want to walk on water? I want to ask you that question. And whether you're five or 105, I believe that everyone wants to walk on water. You know, I could talk to an elderly person that's in a wheelchair, and they'd love to walk, but just walk, but walk on water, sure. And so if you'd like to walk on water, I want you to put your hand up. You know, whether you're in a home, wherever you're watching this, if you're there by yourself, put your hand up. And then I want to challenge you. God wants you to walk on water. He wants you to be in His kingdom. And all we got to do is turn our eyes upon Jesus. And He will lead us and guide us into the new place. He's coming again. And we can only be ready 
through Jesus. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, you saw those hands up. You saw people wherever they are saying, yes, I want to walk on water. But Lord, the only way we can do it is by turning our eyes upon Jesus. So here today, whatever day it is when you're listening to this, I encourage you to make a commitment to turn your eyes upon Jesus and never take them off and look forward to His soon coming. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.